Thank you for taking the time to join us. In today's podcast, we're learning parenting principles from expert Bobby Torres, who has been helping parents learn to guide their children from the heart for the past 15 years. We hope you enjoy this episode and it gives you inspiration for your family growth. Here's Bobby. I'm sort of a self-proclaimed social scientist. <laughs> I, I, I study human behavior. I study social systems. And, and I'm always, uh, I learned under a, a teacher, uh, Bobby Clinton, uh, I know, it was about, uh, Doug Hollis at Fuller. I, I took some courses. I didn't go through the whole school. But, uh, and he taught us about going through, uh, you know, when we're developing a product, in this case, disciples, to always look at the end of the product and then, and then reanalyze the process. And then always try to make the process better so that the product can come out better. So that just became my way of life. And because I didn't have a degree, because I didn't have a rich uncle, because I came from gangs, because I got kicked out of every school from Catholic school to junior high school to high school to Christian school to public school to vocational training school. And when I went to GED school, I quit because the guy teaching the class was lesser intelligent than myself, and I was offended. So I just... <laughs> but... But because I had no advantages in life and I had no, no in, no, I didn't have any connections, I had to discover how could I succeed in business? How could I succeed in my marriage? How could I succeed as a parent? How could I succeed in life? Especially considering the fact that Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. He is an invisible enemy. He goes through walls. Amen. He, I mean, there's only, only one thing that can keep him out, and it, and it isn't um, walls. It isn't windows. It isn't doors. And it isn't weapons. You can't use guns. You can't use, you know, well, they're fighting a war in Iraq. But let me tell you, the war that we're fighting is a greater war because we're fighting an invisible, invisible enemy. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so I had to discover all these different principles or else I was just going to be toast. I had bad habits. I had, I mean, I'd never seen one successful marriage in my whole life, my friends, my relatives, my culture. The first successful marriage I ever saw was mine. And that was a pure experiment, simply trusting the Word of God, coming from a background where I knew nothing about God, total heathen. My mom was in a witchcraft. My dad was an atheist. Every religious event was a drunken party. And, and, I, and I, I'd seen Christians here and there, but I never really talked to one. And so this was who I, who I was. And in the years of learning, the only book that I ever really studied was the Word of God. Uh, I discovered some principles about wealth and about health and about prosperity and about uh, successful marriage. By the way, I've been married. Get a load of this. You thought Moses was cool when he parted the Red Sea? No, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm just boasting in the Lord. That's cool. I know you saw the movie. I have been married by the grace of God for 23 years. Please don't be fooled by my testimony and by how happy I am because uh, marriage is a definite battle. We have been through ups and downs, and the test of love is that we've made it through, and we're still going through it. Amen? And so we're excited. And I've raised three children, and they're adults now, 23, 20, and 19. Today is my son's birthday, so we're going to hang out when I get back. Uh, Yeah, I've raised three children. One of them went astray, and I walked... uh, I do a, a weekly parenting workshop for free on, on the telephone conference line. And I walked uh, all the different families through my own testimony for three years as I led my daughter back to the Lord and reached her heart for Jesus without being controlling and angry and, and frustrated and disappointed and all these things that people usually do to their kids. I call that hate. That's another session for another day. And uh, brought her back. She's on fire for God. 
she's wrecking my space for Jesus. Godly music, godly friends, testimony, witnessing. You know, that's a, that's a cool thing on MySpace, you know what I mean? Uh, and she's just amazing. She was in the hip-hop industry doing music for the devil, she says. Now she calls it music of the devil. And now she's uh, living for the Lord mightily. And my, other, my oldest daughter has always been a mighty, mighty uh, a powerhouse for Jesus. They both preach. My two daughters preach. Can you believe this? So that's just amazing. My wife, uh, when the kids got big, about 16, she hit the driveway and left smoke and, and skids in the driveway. And she started Elijah Generation, and she began preaching all over the world, taking teams of young people, including my kids, everywhere. Um, boy, I can just go on and on and on. on te- we do testimony time every service. Uh, I pastor a church, Spirit Life Church. Uh, every service we give, do testimony. And, uh, but so anyways, there's my testimony. That's who I am. And we just give God the praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's right. Just, you know, just like I get a feel in this church, there's so much love and unity and all that. Um, th- this principle that I learned out of the Word of God, uh, which, which is a key to making your life successful in every area. Because, I mean, you know, if you're blessed, everything else will go, will, will, will go well. You know, I mean, with a price. There will be attacks and persecutions, Okay. When Jesus told the disciples, you'll inherit lands and houses and brethren a hundredfold with persecution. So don't think that a blessing's come, you know, you know, without a fight. Come on now. You're going to get your promised land. There's giants, but don't focus on the giants. Look between their legs and, and look at the fruit and the pomegranates and, and, and the land that flows with milk and honey, right? You know, that's it. That's it. So, so this key is going to help you. Uh, and, and I want to talk about... Your, your attitude will determine your altitude, okay? Your al- attitude will determine your altitude. God requires for us to have a good and a positive attitude when we come to church and a positive attitude about our church and a commitment to the local church. You know, the word assembly means ecclesia, which in those days, uh, that was the Greek word. It was, um, it, they weren't referring to a religious community. They were talking about people that would assemble publicly to declare war and establish laws and to be a voice. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, I call you assembly. I call you ecclesia. So right away people are saying, what, what's going on? Are you trying to take over? Are you trying to start a kingdom? And, of course, persecution began, and that's what happened. But, but when they translated into the English, they translated the word ecclesia over to um, church uh, uh, in English, which meant uh, temple or sanctuary, which was bringing it back to the Old Testament when really God was trying to get out of the four walls. And so that's really what the assembly, but, but there's also another word in the Revelation, assembly, when it means a different word, and it refers to the general assembly and the company of the angels, and it's the universal body of Christ. And as a universal body of Christ, we come together as a local body, and just like Jesus gave his life to the church, we ought to give our lives to the church as well. Because can you imagine if the arm was walking around saying, you know, I'm just kind of trying out the body today, you know? And the Bible says that God has given you pastors according to his heart. That's why some of you feel so loved and so good right here, because God has called you right here, you know? And, uh, and, and imagine if the arm just said, you know, I think I'm just going to go ahead and, and I'm going to, you know, find another body to hang around on. First of all, that other body doesn't need that arm. And secondly, this body is going to, can you imagine? Everybody's doing their own thing and this body's walking all over the place, you know. You know, the head decides to take off that way. The legs go this way. The body falls apart, right? But do we ignore the fact that Jesus calls us the body of Christ? 
a living organism. We're not just an organization, people. We are a living organism. We're alive. There's life in the body of Christ. And so I encourage you to be committed to your church. Now, your attitude towards your church will determine uh, the altitude that you will achieve in life. Now, if we were to uh, make the same excuses that people use um, for not, you know, for not going to church as they, as they would for other important areas of life, we would realize how inconsistent and how illogical uh, the thinking is. For example, what if we had reasons why we shouldn't bathe? One, I was forced to as a child, so I'm not going to bathe, right? People who make soap are only after your money. That's why I don't bathe. I only wash on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. People who wash are hypocrites. You know, they think they're cleaner than everybody else. There's so many different kinds of soap, it's confusing, so I don't use any. I used to wash, but it got boring, so I stopped. None of my friends wash. The bathroom is never warm enough in the winter or cool enough in the summer. And I can always wash when I get older. For now, I want to enjoy my dirtiness. And, you know, so we, obviously that would make no sense. And those are some of the false excuses that people have about coming to church. But what we need to do is we need to have a positive attitude about coming to church. The Psalms 122.1 says, I was glad when they said, I will come into the house. Let us go into the house of the Lord. I was happy. I was glad. I was full of joy. We ought to come into the house of God. We ought to come as we assemble with the brothers and the sisters. And for those that are coming to check it out, those that are needing a touch, as we saw, people coming here who need a touch, need some love. I'll tell you what, having come from the streets and having come from a dysfunctional family, I can't tell you that when I started coming to church, the way that my life was touched by the love of God, by, the, by, by God using vessels and, and just breaking down that wall, I wept for two years giving my testimony in church. I would come and I'd hear songs like, well, older songs. I've been saved 23 years, but, you know, back then, amen. I would weep. I mean, we'd sing Amazing Grace and I would bawl every single time. And I tell you what, I, I, I just, I've had re-encounters with the Lord I, I never forget that um, one day uh, uh, I was going through my, my, um, my old love letters from my wife because she was 17 when I was dating her. And, uh, of course, we teach courtship now, a whole different concept. But I was um, going through my love letters, and I'd thrown away all the other ones, you know, right? And I never really read them. I never really took time to read them because she was 17, and all the girls write the same thing. <laughs> right? They use the same paper, flowery paper, smells like perfume, <laughs> lipstick. You know, they pour water and smear it, a little tear, fake teardrops. <laughs> so I had tons of these, you know, and I just never really read them. But I, she wrote me a lot of letters. But, you know, of course, I fell in love with her, and she married me. So obviously she loved me, right? Well, it was about 20 years into the marriage, and I was cleaning, you know, <laughs> or something that I hadn't done in, like, 20 years. And, uh, <laughs> hey. I've been busy for 20 years raising kids, building a business, building a ministry, all right? Don't laugh. I finally had gotten to a place in life where I had like, oh, yes, I've accomplished a few things. And so I was going through these letters, and I begin to read about I love you and, oh, you're there, you know, and all this. And I begin to weep because understanding her love for me 20 years later was different than when she loved me at 17. 
I had a re-encounter in my marriage, which caused me to have a re-encounter with Jesus. And I came back to the feet of Jesus, and I came back to the cross, and I've learned to come back to the cross often, many times. I don't care what people's theology is about that. You know what I mean? You can't be resaved. I don't care. Call it whatever you want. I'm coming back to the cross. I'm staying at the cross because you know what? When you stay broken, God will never despise you. God will never turn you away when you're broken. I sense a brokenness in the worship leader. I love what God is doing through you, brother. Where are you at? All right, cool. Yeah, I was just testing you, man. I was at another church, and they, the band was playing, and as soon as they're done, they split. You know, they're like hirelings, you know. <laughs> anyway, but, um, but I, uh, I, just, I just really have come to realize that if you ever get to a place where you stop needing him, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? And so I just, I just love, love the Lord for that. I'm, I'm a lot freer today than when I first got saved. You know, I remember when I first got saved, well, I used to follow my leaders. I'd walk around with a big Bible and a big suit, and God bless you, brother. Hallelujah. How are you doing? And then today I was like, oh, man, I'm going to probably go to one of them kind of churches, and I put on this really expensive suit and these really uncomfortable, expensive shoes. And I was like, not going to, you know, get picked up. And, and then... Uh, because I was told, too, by, by somebody that there's certain churches, if you don't read out of the Bible, don't mind that it's written in my heart, right? But, but anyway, so uh, I, I, we made a last-minute call and said, you know, is it okay if I come in jeans? I said, oh, man, you got to come in jeans. I get here, and the pastor is all messed up. Look at him. He's total mess. But the beauty of it is there's freedom. And where there's freedom, where there's liberty, the Spirit of God is there. Amen. And where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. And I feel free. And I feel free. And I love the Lord. And because of his freedom, because there's not a controlling pulpit up here, because there's not a, there's not a, you know, the pastor's not trying to be the head of this church, you know. But Jesus is the head. Even before the preacher got up, even before anything else, even before anybody did anything that was the people begin to just be touched by the Lord. I was touched by the Lord, and uh, it's just awesome. So I found an article in Newsweek, and um, this article was published a little over a year ago. It's interesting. And it's uh, by Howard, Dr. Howard Lewin. He's the medical director for Internet Publishing at Harvard Medical School. Ooh, right? No, really. Uh, he did a study that revealed that eating good is healthier than not smoking. You know, um, exercising is healthier than eating good. Actually, I found that to be true. I was diagnosed with diabetes, though I re rebuked it and didn't want to take the medication. And I found that as I exercise, my sugar goes to normal. Even if I'm eating great, like if I'm eating vegan, no dairy, no meat, like nothing but rabbit food. I mean, even if I eat like rabbit, whatever, vegetables, exercise does me better, right? And something even more startling he found, something health, that's even healthier than not smoking, not, uh, than eating good and exercising. Do you know what that is? Out of the four most important factors that prevent us from aging prematurely, a positive attitude ranked number one over regular exercise, a well-balanced, low-calorie diet, and avoiding smoking tobacco. A positive attitude was discovered at Harvard to be the number one thing that helps keep you healthy and lets you live longer. Isn't that amazing? No wonder the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, we will come into the house of the Lord. 
Even another study was conducted at Yale University. Researchers at Yale found that people with an optimistic outlook live seven and a half years longer than those with a gloomy view of their future. These are guys at Yale. It's taken these guys this long to discover stuff that's been in the Bible the whole time. The more science is advancing, the more technology is advancing, the more intellectuals are gaining more knowledge, the more they're coming full circle back to the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? Give God the praise. I read in, uh, in a, uh, a magazine that's uh, a, a scientific magazine, I forget the name, that NASA, basically I'll paraphrase, NASA's mission in life is to discover the answers to the problems of the world somewhere out in space. Hello? <laughs> they spend that much money. But I'll tell you what, I, I really believe, I have a little theory here, that one day they're going to make it all the way to heaven, right where, I mean, all the unlimited fuel, unlimited you know, everything, all the, 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 the tree that heals the nations and everything else, and they're going to run out of gas, and their, their technology is going to run short right before they get to the pearly gates. The thing's going to fall right back and explode. They're never going to be able to get to heaven unless they go through the blood of Jesus, unless they go through the cross. But I guarantee you they're going to try. They're going to spend trillions of dollars trying to get to heaven. But you know what? All you have to do is open the door of your heart and let Jesus in, and you can just rock it right into the presence of God. Come on now. <laughs> awesome. In their study, a positive attitude was more important than blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Do you know that we've discovered, um, uh, my assistants, that they're always helping me out, and Ron, Erica, and I have others. We've discovered that, that if I just stay cool and calm and don't worry and don't be anxious, that not only does my sugar level stay normal, but we get a lot of stuff accomplished. Instead of getting angry and upset and all that and whatever. So how is it possible that a positive attitude can affect health and aging? Well, one study offers this explanation. People who perceive that attitude is a reflection, or excuse me, people who perceive that um, that they're living in a state of chronic stress and, and constantly worried that their, their cells age more rapidly, okay? People that are always worried about things and stressing. This study says that they lose a decade off their lives because of the rapid uh, aging of the cells. Now, a perception is like an attitude um, or your uh, how is it? Uh, your attitude is a reflection of your perception. In other words, how you perceive life will determine your attitude, right? So you can look at the cup half empty or you can look at the cup half full, right? And, I, I, and one of the things we teach in parenting, which you'll be learning about later on, is how to communicate, how to discipline, and how to talk to your children. And it applies to everyone. And to turn things around and make them, you know, speak positive things over their lives. And still get the same message across without speaking death, without speaking life. The proverb says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So the thing that you believe, the thing that, you're, that makes up uh, your belief system, your values, that is the kind of thing that you're going to portray, and that's the kind of thing you're going to create, whether it be death or life. Even the Bible says that, that in our tongue is the power of life and death, okay? So the next time you get hit by a car, right, and your arms are going this way and your legs are going that way, just confess this is really not happening to me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'd like to suggest that your attitude towards your church will determine 
the altitude in which you will achieve in your life. This is a principle that I learned over the years. Now, when there's nothing good around you, you draw joy from within. You know, when everything's falling apart everywhere. I don't care if times, you know, you've been here seven years, right? That tells me that you've had some really bad days. Some re- seven years. Come on. How long have you been married? Twelve years, you know. How many have been married under two years? Oh, man. So the boxing gloves are going, right? <laughs> two years, man. Just boom, 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 you know. You fell in love with this person. They live with you, and they are opposite of you. They take up your, your closet space. Um, they do things differently than you want them to be done. It's just it's a lot of stuff. But you know what? No matter what's going on around you. I've been in, uh, in Nicaragua when there was war. I was there when there was an earthquake. I have been in the neighborhood when there was, I mean, I've been in neighborhoods where there was shooting every single night. Machine guns and everything where bullets were coming. Every, every once in a while we'd have to duck because bullets would come through the, the, the walls. You know what I mean? And, I can, and we also did some work at the Dream Center. Um, we started a youth program over there. Spent about a year and a half. And we had helicopters shining their lights in my room every night for one year and a half. I'm kidding you not. And wait till you hear their stories and their, uh, what they went through and how criminals broke into Erica's house when she was alone and, and how you know, she was battling big rats who weren't afraid of her and all this stuff. But let me tell you something. Through it all, we were able to draw draw joy and, and peace from within the bellies, our bellies that, that out of it came forth li- uh, rivers of living water. We're able to, to take a negative situation. Out of it came many transformed lives. Out of it came many blessings. Out of it came much experience. And out of it, God gave us youthfulness. At 42, I'm still feeling pretty young. <laughs> of course, we all know the story of the 10 lepers. And, uh, you know, they, they asked to be cleansed. Have mercy on us. Jesus cleansed them. But only one of them came back. And it says that he began to glorify God with a loud voice. And he fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet, and bowed his face to his feet. And he began to thank him. With a, and Jesus said, after that, he said, he said uh, go and be made whole. There was something about his continual healing, something about, about not just being healed in one area, not just being prosperous in one area, but being blessed in every area of your life when we have a good attitude about God. And that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, Psalms 104, verse, 100, verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgivings and into his courts with praise. And that's what we've done today. That's why the Spirit of God, that's why he dwells in the midst of the praises of his people. You know, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what's happening. When you walk in through these doors, you lay down your burdens, and you come and you praise God. And even if it hurts on the inside, even if it's painful, just say, God, I cast my care upon you. I've come to praise you. I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound better than anybody. It's just by the grace of God. One thing I've never done is I've never taken uh, my, my problems out on God. I don't care how bad I've messed up. I don't care how bad somebody else messed me over. I don't care how bad my pastor's been, you know. I was hurt with my first pastor for five years. But I never took it out on God. I learned this principle early in life that I would always praise him because I knew he was the one that could heal me. And I learned another thing about that is that if I was messing up that week and maybe I'd even sin right before coming to church, I don't know about you, but when I first got married, we would faithfully have a battle, drag down fight, me and my wife, before coming to church. Of course, we'd have to pull together, you know, and get into church and, you know, hallelujah. You know. But I learned 
that the only way I was going to overcome the flesh, the only way I was going to be able to walk in the Spirit is follow the Scripture in Galatians 6. It says, um, walk in the Spirit first, right? And then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But see, you're trying to, you're trying to get cleaned up. You're like, I can't go to church this, this week because you don't know what I did this week. You don't know what I did Saturday night. So you're trying to clean yourself up. You're trying to put on some, some, you know, it's like taking a pig and putting on like a nice suit. You know what I mean? Or trying to pour pig slop on a gold bowl. You know what I mean? Like pig slop on a gold bowl. What does a gold bowl have to do with the price of tea in China? You know what I'm saying? It's still pig slop, right? So you put, a, you, put, you put a nice suit on a pig or you paint a rusty car, eventually that rust is going to seep out. You can't change yourself. You can't transform yourself. So what you do is you walk in the Spirit. You come into the courts of God. You don't got to pretend that you're so religious. You come in there and say, I'm tore up. I'm broken. I'm a mess. I've come to praise God. I'm walking in the Spirit. And that through that, I'm going to change. Hey. Just because I'm up here preaching and just because I was up there worshiping God doesn't make me a hypocrite. In other words, if you knew me and you knew my shortcomings and my, and, and my, uh, you know, my, my flaws, you might think, that's a hypocrite. No, I'm not pretending to be anything more than who I am. That's why I like to keep my feet right on the ground. That way if I fall, you know, just, you know, hey. <laughs> but if I get up on a pedestal and sometimes people try to put you there, no way. I'm not going on a pedestal because if I come down off a pedestal, man, it's going to be a loud crash coming down. And at 42, you know, stuff don't repair that fast anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I've learned those things that, that if I want to get in the spirit, I mean, if I want to overcome the flesh, I've got to praise. I've got to read his word. I've got to come into the fellowship of the saints. And that's how you do it. You don't do it the other way around. Keep that in mind. Um, my wife is the minister of fun, okay? Now, no, really, she's the minister of fun. She goes to Disneyland no less than 10 times a year. This is an absolute truth. My last anniversary, guess where we went? I don't really like Disneyland that much, but you see, when you're married, it's always about the wife. See, that's just how it works, okay? <laughs> on my birthday, I like to sit around and do nothing. Of course, on my birthday, she wants to go out, so we go out on my birthday, right? I want to just do nothing. She goes, that's no fun. Okay, let's go out and have fun then, you know. Uh, you might think that's funny, but let me tell you something, man. You're going to have a long time here if you don't figure this truth out, okay? I'll just tell you right now. You might have gotten an engagement ring. You might have got your marriage ring, your wedding ring, but if you don't learn to deal with your suffering, amen, you'll never get there. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, I love marriage. I really do. I love marriage. I, I, I love being married. I love my wife um, because I love pain, see? Um, no, no. <laughs> No, no, listen, no, don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, how, how many of you work out? You like to lift weights, right? Right, no pain, no gain, right? And after you've been working out, you feel good, right? You're like, oh, that hurts. Oh, like my whole family works out, right? They all have personal coaches, and they're like, oh, oh I'm, in, always, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. Oh, it feels good, it feels good, right? Um, if you like to grow and you like to be challenged, you'll love marriage. So that's why I say the suffering. It's a good thing. Amen. Once you learn to die to yourself, you discover true life. The reason why some of you are so miserable is because you're always offended and you have expectations. Because do you think you're ever going to live your life never being offended? Of course not. People will always offend you. Your spouse will. You thought, well, I married you. You were supposed to never offend me. Eh, wrong. You're going to be offended, and then you have expectations. I, I, I thought you were my, my, my um, prince, you know, my, my prince, uh, 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 
my knight in shining armor. Thank you, brother. Look, I'm the one preaching here, okay? So can we get this straight here? I bet you, does he preach in this church? Does he preach? Not yet. He wants to. He wants to. Can you please let him preach? The, the next time I come back here, I want to know that you've preached a, a bit, all right? But, um, but anyway, uh, no, anyway, you made me lose my train of thought. Let me just keep on moving. But they say that Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. You know, that's what she says. And um, whether or not that's true, it, for me, it makes me the brokest guy on earth, you know, because she goes there so often. But, um, hey, no wonder, no wonder my, my uh, financial consultant is called a broker. He spends my money. I'm broker. But um, <laughs> anyway, just a thought. Why do you call him broker? Anyway, um, but I really appreciate, though, how the doctors, how they approach um, you know, the, the medical problems like, like um, something terrible make it sound so good. Uh, for example, a guy's dying of an incurable disease, and he's lost like 60 pounds. And the doctor comes in, gives the results, and says his diagnosis, and says, you've been diagnosed with HIV positive, you know? I mean, positive, you know? So, come on, that was funny. I thought it was funny. Hey, I just tested positive on a, on a, on a personality test the other day. Um, I don't know, it sounds kind of scary. But, but see, the, we use words and we turn them around and, and you make something so ugly sound so positive. They even change venereal diseases now to something else because for some reason somebody thought it sounded negative. But no wonder um, the, the psalmist said, for one day in your courts, he said, is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Just one day, one night with the king, one day in the presence of God, one touch from the master can, can be greater than a thousand days in the tents of the wicked, can be greater than, than many, many years living in prosperity outside of the blessings of God. That means so much in light of science, in light of all these researches that have been done as it relates to someone having a great attitude and having a love for the church. I want to challenge you today um, to always, I'd like to have the musicians come up, to always, before you come to the Lord, and whether it be in prayer at home or whether it be to ch at church, to always come with a gift of thanksgiving. In your Once again, thank you for joining us. If you would like more information about the tools mentioned in this podcast, you can find it at biblicalparenting.org.